You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Welcome to another Q&A podcast. So I addressed a bunch of issues. One is, can I take a Chazcation? Chaz, or sometimes it's called CHOP, is the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. It's this area in Seattle is apparently seceded from the U.S., a 10-block area. But what I really wanted to find out was what happened with that shooting over the weekend. What's going on in the Chaz where people are, there was this murder that happened. And can I go there and take a Chazcation safely? Then I cover two $10 million business ideas. I describe how to make money by going meta. I discuss how to validate a business idea. And I also discuss how a social justice warrior can make money and several other questions I answered. You can text me any questions at 203-590-8607. That's 203-590-8607. Here's the episode. Welcome to... 
day 40 in a row of me wearing pajamas, trying to confirm for sure that pajamas are not just clothing to fall asleep in, but they're truly a lifestyle choice. Right. But I feel like with this white, I'm wearing a white, completely white top, and it's got kind of like this neighbor thing going mm-hmm. on. I feel like it's arrogant somehow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. this is like if you saw me walking down the street, you say, "Oh, this guy's full of it." It's <laughs> like, it really what matter is he? What is he? It's like Gandhi. Who does he think he is? <laughs> so. Uh, you just go to bed with the clothes, and you wake up. You don't even have to get dressed. What's great about <laughs> What's great about wearing pajamas all day is that when I go to sleep at night. I just literally have to get into bed. I don't have to yeah. change clothes. Like right. at night when you're, we've just been binge watching, you know, some show for five straight hours and then I'm tired and <laughs> I don't want to like change clothes and take a shower. I just go into the room, get out of the bed and go to sleep wearing the same clothes and right. it's pajamas. And then you just wake up. And then I wake up and, then and because I'm disgusting, I could just walk outside and yeah. do an Instagram live or right. whatever. Exactly. So easy life. And that what I want to do though is mm-hmm. I see in my in my pajama outerwear fashion line because I'm going to be a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. I see having like something like this, but with like a 1950s gas station design. So like maybe some stripes, mm-hmm. like my name sewn in here, yeah. a little pocket. That's great. And then on the pajama pants, you need a little pocket with a thin zipper, mm-hmm. so you can go outside, carry credit cards. So a big uh, trend right now, actually, is uh, minimalist wallets. So normally a wallet is like, I don't like wallets. I've never had a wallet in my life. And thankfully, you are the first woman that I've ever either gone out with or been married to who has not given me a wallet as a gift. And I appreciate that. So so a lot of times people say, oh, you need a wallet or you're going to lose a dollar bill or a credit card or some ID. And then you get this like thick leathery wallet and it's got all these folds and you got to put all this stuff mm-hmm. in it. And then what if you lose the whole wallet? You ju- you're screwed. You just yeah. lost all your money, all your IDs, all your credit cards. And I'm going mm-hmm. to lose that wallet at some point because I've lost every one of those things individually at some point. Why won't I lose the whole wallet? So I like these minimalist wallets where just they're just like a clip. Sometimes you can put it on your phone and you put a few, few bills in there, not all your bills, maybe one credit card, not all your credit cards, right. maybe one ID. That's a great idea. So here's my, here's my idea though. Okay. Take minimalist wallets mm-hmm. and put a few pages, like maybe 10 pages of the wait, of your waiter's pad in the front. So have it designed with waiter's pad that you can put in there, like a thin waiter's pad. And now not only is a wallet, but I could take it out and write my 10 ideas down. You know, when I go out to the local cafe in the morning, I got my minimalist wallet that fits into my mm-hmm. uh, light pajama pants. And the zipper. it's got the small zipper. I pull the minimalist mm-hmm. wallet out. Here's five bucks for the coffee. Mm-hmm. And, oh, now I have my waiter's pen. I can write my 10 ideas on. Maybe there's like a small minimalist pen, like a nice silver pen that's min- yeah. like very tiny. I like that. Well, minimalist wallets are a trending term on... Google Trends and Shopify and so on. People are buying. I think in general, we're moving from luxury and materialism and maximalism to more and more minimalism. And we've been going that way for a while since the Great Recession. But I think now minimalism is really going to hit its stride in design, in products that people want. Nobody wants to be a maximalist anymore. Yeah, I don't even carry a purse anymore. 
Because I had something on my phone where I just put the credit card. You don't need to carry a purse anywhere you got. Yeah. I'm a walking credit card. I yeah. just like. And then I had the one credit card. Yeah, that's all you need. Same one, that's all we need. Yeah. Just American Express, and that's it. Yeah, so, uh, there, you know, I didn't think there was a bullshit headline of the day, but there is one, and I just, oh, I'm off camera a little bit. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm, uh, uh, I'm okay. All right, thank you. Mm -hmm. Bullshit headline of the day. Uh, we're going back to Florida tomorrow at, from New York. <laughs> I said the bullshit. And that's my bullshit headline because <laughs> Cuomo just announced if you go from Florida to New York, you have to be quarantined for 14 days. First violation if they catch you. And by the way, I don't know how they catch you. Maybe there's contact trade, they tr keeping track of your phone. That would be scary if that's true. First violation is $2,000. Second violation is $5,000. Third violation is $10,000. You have to stay home for 14 days if you land from Florida to New York. So wow. once we leave here for Florida, mm -hmm. it's like we can't come back mm -hmm. until they, uh, or, or we have to be willing to break the law, which I am, by the way. But, and cause like, what do you get? Like, I, let's say I get tested. Let's say I don't have it. Am I still going to need quarantine? Like what's, but here, here's the scary thing. What if the, this contact, you know, there's going to be a million jobs open for contact trace investigators. Mm -hmm. And I sort of feel like we're moving into this 1984 world yes. or, or every, every, that's overused that uh, metaphor minority report with Tom Cruise, where they use AI to determine if someone's about to commit a crime. And then Tom Cruise who works for the police, he arrests people before they commit the crime because they're using big data and AI to figure out who's gonna commit the crime. So what if now they, we start moving into that, like they can see from my the cell phone towers that my phone connects to, that I just went from Florida to New York, and now they can see, oh my gosh, this guy who, who should be court, it all goes into a database, and so everybody in the database, if their cell phone towers change, then they know here's a person who's committing a crime. Mm -hmm. They triangulate so they know exactly where you are. The police pull up and arrest you as soon as you leave your building. If with, yeah. within that 14, they have the technology now to do that. It's a good reason to just not have your phone with you all the time. Yeah, I well, <laughs> or a VPN. By the way, I I've done that. So when I interviewed, I've interviewed Yuval Harari, the author of *Sapiens* uh, and *Homo Deus* and *21 Questions for the 21st Century*. I interviewed Yabal Harari twice on my podcast, and he does not carry a phone because he figures, you know, when you carry a phone, you'll spend an extra one to four hours a day just on social media. Yeah. Just, it's so meaningless and mindless. And so for about two or three weeks after that podcast with him, I stopped carrying my phone around, and it was great. And then one thing led to another, and I started carrying the phone around. It's a hard habit to, to break. But maybe we should try again. Just leave the phone in yeah. Florida and then get some kind of like burner phone. I feel like breaking down. We'll get some burner phone in New York so that we could like either deal meth or go to a cafe. Cause they're like equivalent crimes now in New York City. So, uh, I'm going to answer a few questions. Uh, I'm get, I'm trying an experiment. I always like to experiment. Text me questions at two, my phone number 203. 5908607 people have been sending me questions of course these Q&As eventually end up on the podcast so I'll, I'll answer some questions um here's a first one uh uh let's see uh this person asks he's 56 years old 
He asks, should I move from California to Arizona? Taxes are less and they seem to be heading, uh, handling the Rona with more common sense. So very good question. And it's a complicated question because first off, I don't know what your situation is in California, but let's say I was considering such a move. Uh, I would say yes, absolutely move from California to Arizona. Here's a couple of reasons. First off, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and many other tech companies are moving to remote. So all their employees are going to be either remote or some significant percentage. Now, Silicon Valley and Hollywood are great places to live when pre-pandemic, because in order to have innovation in society, ideas need to have sex with each other. So people need to meet at work or in the cafe, or at the art gallery, or at the restaurant. They need to meet and, and uh, you know, exchange ideas. Like in, in Hollywood, may, how about we have, you know, Blade Runner mixed with Sex in the City. Boom, what is it? And then they can have a TV series. In Silicon Valley, they might say, let's do Uber, but let's focus on, you know, uh, automated driving, or let's focus on Uber combined with buses so that buses will just go, will make their own route depending on who needs a bus, which is sort of interesting that mm -hmm. we went from, oh, let's stop using buses to uh, let's go call an Uber. And it's just a car for me that picks me up wherever I am and takes me wherever I want to go. And then they're like, oh, but let's, well, let's make it a little cheaper and for more people. So let's do an Uber pool. So we have a big car mm -hmm. that picks up a bunch of people and you have to wait, you know, with the people. And then it takes everybody to where they want. And now let's just do this new thing called a bus <laughs> where we call for a bus and it picks us up and takes us sort of near where we want to go. There's going to be designated points. So, so, but the point is, is that in Silicon Valley, people exchange ideas like, Gmail came from a guy working at Google who started talking about ideas about how to combine Google search methods with Gmail. So all these things happened because, you know, Google itself happened because Sergey Brin was walking by Larry Page's office and said, hey, what are you up to? And so it's only when you throw people together and that, that innovation happens. Now, then you need to be alone to kind of create the innovation. You, know, you need to be alone to write the book, to write the code, whatever. Mm -hmm. But pe throwing people together is what created, you know, Wall Street. All these people were trading on Wall Street and that created the whole, you know, environment where companies could get financed and employees could get paid and, and so on. So unfortunately, that's going to stop for a while. And I am really worried about America and California if in particular, in New York City, if people can't, you know, you need, you need that idea sex and have little idea babies. And then some idea babies will die when they're young and other idea babies will grow up and some will be, you know, bad and go to idea <laughs> jail and some will be idea successes. And then they'll get married to other ideas mm -hmm. and have sex or even pre-marital idea sex and have little idea. We're going to make a whole 23 and me, we'll call it 24 and me for ideas. And so, uh, oh so, so, but that's not going to happen. So the reason to go to California, which is where innovation starts in the U S often doesn't exist anymore. You can't go to the fancy restaurants. The best restaurants in the United States are probably yeah. in San Francisco or LA or among the best 
it's not there anymore. Museums, all culture, not there anymore. And who knows how long they're going to be locked down. Plus, California has the largest state taxes of any state. So if you're not getting the benefits of living in California, then why not move to Arizona? And so Arizona has no state taxes. Now, Phoenix right now is 110 degrees. So, but just common sense, don't go outside during the day. Like, just stay indoors, go outside in the morning. And you've been, you live in Arizona, right? It's beautiful in the winter and in the spring. And so in the summer, you just stay inside, right? Yeah. And then at night you go out. Right. How old were you when you lived there? It's dry. Uh, we moved there when I was in fifth grade. Fifth grade? How long did you live there? Mm-hmm. Uh, until I was 18, and I left. Who'd you date while you were there? Uh, gosh. I don't think Lots of people? Remember. Lots of, no, just, really. it add, the list adds mm-hmm. up? So, mm-hmm. but you go out at night, though. You wouldn't, like, go out during the day. Correct. So, uh, so yes. If I were you, I would move to Arizona. I would stay indoors during the day. I'd go out in the morning. I'd go out at night. Now, you said it seems like um, they're dealing with Arizona better than California. That might be right. We don't really know. Right now in the news, they say Arizona cases are surging again. Uh, and I have heard anecdotally that some hospitals are seeing a lot more patients that ICUs are full. But again, this is a state with you know 10 million or more people. Uh, the odds of getting it are small. And again, the goal was never to eliminate the virus. The goal was to flatten the curve so the healthcare system was not overwhelmed. Now, yes, it seems like I've heard, again, anecdotally, one hospital that I heard about might be uh, busy, uh, but patients to go... I'm not saying anybody should get this virus. Like, don't get this virus if you could avoid it. Wear a mask, social distance. There's less density in Arizona. It does seem like if you're careful, it's easier to avoid in Arizona. Don't expect to be flying to New York from Arizona because then you're going to be quarantined. But, you know, by the way, when we first went to Florida from New York, Florida was saying, anybody coming from New York, New York is a shit show. Anybody coming from New York has to be quarantined in Florida. So Andrew Cuomo is just like high on the hog right now. Well, we're going to just get Florida back. Anybody coming from Florida needs to be quarantined. So, yes, state taxes are less. It's important to what. Here's the other thing, too. California, even after the Great Recession, there were rumors California was going to go bankrupt. I had this argument on CNBC. This guy was convinced, he was an economist, he was convinced California was going to declare bankruptcy. I had to ask him on CNBC, I'm afraid I humiliated him, I had to ask him, did he read the California State Constitution? And he said yes. And I said, well then, you must know that California constitutionally is not allowed to declare bankruptcy unless they first fire all of their firemen and all of the teachers, which is not going to happen. So, but still, California is under such immense financial stress after this pandemic. Arizona isn't. So I would definitely make that move. But that's just me. I don't know your personal situation. Um, uh, okay, so uh, this person has a product idea, but uh, doesn't know how to go about asking people if they buy it. So, so, uh, it's a, it's a kettlebell, kettlebell product. So kettlebell is like that ball. That's like a weight. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Tim Ferriss recommends if you only could work out with one weight, then use the kettlebell. So, uh, this person has a, uh, a kettlebell idea. So here's my idea. Here's my suggestion for you. And I'm just thinking out loud. It might be a good idea. It might be a bad idea. Describe 
your product, you, you know, there's the concept of an elevator pitch. You should be able to describe what's new about your product in one or two sentences and show a picture. So here's what you do. Um, put up ads on Facebook and see if people click and see if the click-through rate is above average. Like maybe put up an ad for a normal kettlebell with nothing new and then put up an ad for your kettlebell and uh, see which ad people click on more. And this, if people click on your idea for a kettlebell more, more than the normal ad, the ad for the normal kettlebell, then you know that there's, you're creating curiosity, you're creating interest. And then there's more tests you could do. You could have them go to a landing page where you describe a normal kettlebell, or you could have them go to a landing page where you describe your creative changes. People will pay money if you solve problems. So if, I, if there's a problem with the normal kettlebell and you're solving it, then uh, then you're going to make money. By the way, you can't just say, I have a Harvard degree, so buy a kettlebell from me. Um, people are going to stop paying for degrees. They're going to stop paying for credentials. They're only going to pay for you to solve a problem for them. They aren't going to give a shit about anything else. Excuse my language. So, so yes, test out. Put on some test Facebook ads. You can also test it out on Kickstarter. So study the Kickstarter model. A lot of companies and good ideas get their start on Kickstarter. So you know the Get Card Game Cards Against Humanity? Yeah. We've played it. That raised a million dollars on Kickstarter, and that's how they got their first customers. Kickstarter is often a way to not only raise money, but also have a direct connection to your very first customers. So maybe your ad also sends people to a Kickstarter. But I would test the idea out first, very cheaply, put like a $50 budget behind two ads, one with your product, one the normal kettlebell product, and, and, and then maybe have a landing page and see if you solve a problem. Here is a simple copywriting technique. So I've told you in the past about what I, what I was originally called the four U's, I call it the six U's, so it's six U's, like unique, uh, useful, whatever that you have to remember. But here's another, here's another way to look at copywriting. So a way to explain something simply. Think of P-A-S, problem, agitation, solution. So, you know, so like if I was writing a copywriting for uh, uh, a dentist, oh, do you have a lot of dental pain? Well, did you know, you know, and so that's the problem. You have dental pain. The agitation is the pain sometimes is so great, you cannot function. And even after you go to the dentist, the pain lasts another five weeks. Um, well, with our new technique for doing AI robotic root canals, there's no pain and there's no pain afterwards. So this doesn't exist, but, you know, that uses problem, agitation, solution. So I don't know what your PAS is for the kettleball, but include that in your ad, plus a 3D sketch of the kettleball if you want. And again, either send people to a landing page or not. You don't have to. You could do a variety of different tests, but that's how I would test out the validity of that idea. There's lots of ways uh, to test validity of an idea. Maybe I'll do a little bit more on that. I've, I've done this with lots of, of products, but that's a, that's a good first start. And if you try it out, let me know what happens. And I'll also give um, other ideas, uh, you know, in a, in a future uh, episode of this. 
Um, like, how did you know, Robin, when you started a hair salon, how did you know that you would have, uh, you know, there's so many hair salons out there, it's almost, you almost think of it as a commodity. How did you know that you would have an advantage over other hair salons? It's hard for a service business. Well, back then, um, there weren't really any spas, like with this, you know, with the hairstylists, with the manicures, with the facialists, the massage therapists. So I uh, created a space for all of those people to come together. So that's, I was one okay. of the first ones in Austin to have a spa. So sort of. let's think about it in terms of PAS. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that there wasn't one place to get mm -hmm. all these, you know, basic things done for... Mm -hmm you know, beauty and hygiene and health and whatever. And the agitation is, oh, I'm going to have to drive all over town, maybe to another town, and I'm going to have to talk to 12 different people, and I'm going to probably have to pay more, and blah, blah, blah. So, and the solution is, let's put it all in one place, and let's recruit people, uh, you know, who are the best in their professions in each one of these things, and have make sure there's space all over the, the store to... To fit these people, and now you right. have PAS. That's right. And so I bet you in your ads, I don't know if you did any advertising, no. but even in word of mouth, what do you think they said about you in the word of mouth? Oh, while you're getting your hair cut, you can even be getting a manicure. I've never seen this before. Right. Well, it was easy because I went and I chose the best of every group and, and hired them. So they came with their clients. So we were successful right when we opened the doors. And and then people would start to recommend, oh, as if they were a nail, you know, technician, they'd say, oh, this hairstylist is really good, or the hairstylist would say, oh, this nail technician. So there was a lot of uh, action going on. And when when somebody walked in the door for the first time and they saw, oh my God, this is like this is like this, you know, Disneyland of personal services. Mm -hmm. Did they say? Did they say? Wait a second. I need to get my nails done by the person with the Harvard degree. No. Did they say, did they even ask anybody, hey, did you go to cosmetology school? Well, you, no, because they had just assumed that they did. And I don't, they, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't assume that. I don't mm -hmm. even know you had to go to cosmetology school. Yeah. So, so they just want their problem solved, really. Right. They don't care about credentials. Right. So. And they didn't ask, did you go to VLS that soon? Or did you go, they don't ask where you go. They're just, they want to go to the best person. P-A-S. When you're thinking about your elevator pitch, that's your pitch. So, uh, dun, dun, dun. uh okay. Question. Uh, I am 32. I work a nine-to-five job that she wants to break away from. She's very creative and she wants to do various side hustles. She can't wait to leave her job to make money through creativity. But her job... Uh, provides insurance. She has two young, very young children, and her husband's job does not provide insurance, and he likes that job, so he's not leaving that job. And so she's trying to figure out what to do. So two things I would suggest. This is very important. I know your life is very, very busy. Your job is probably, you, you hate it, so my guess is it probably consumes you with mindless activities that take all day long and don't really give you a break. Uh, that's often jobs that people hate, uh, and but it provides insurance, and you need the insurance. You can't go without the insurance. And even though I have never had insurance, I cannot recommend other people do the same because it's a gamble. And it's a gamble you'll probably win, but it's still a gamble, and you have two little kids, and your husband doesn't want to change his job. I would ask a little bit, how come your husband's not trying a little harder 
to help you solve this problem. But one thing, I, there's two solutions. One is, is there a way for you to get insurance cheaper? And I remember uh, I once signed up for this program, uh, but but then I didn't pay for it, so I lost it. Uh, but there's like groups uh, that give you insurance. Uh, oh gosh, I forget. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I am gonna. I am gonna find this. It's in my email, but it's from. It's from literally from five years ago. Uh, so I have to remember the guy's name. And I think it's Judd Anglin, who I haven't spoken to in years. Uh, yes, he pointed me to something called Liberty Health Share, which is not an insurance company. It's where a bunch of people share, like pay into a central pool and share in all the risks. So it's a religious, so Liberty HealthShare offer, offers health conscious individuals and families an affordable way to share medical care expenses in a like-minded community. We are a Christian membership-based nonprofit organization where we help facilitate the voluntary sh sharing between members to pay each other's medical costs. So I don't really know completely how it works, but I would check out Liberty HealthShare for cheap insurance. You don't have to believe in Jesus. Maybe it helps, though, to keep you healthier. I, don't, I have no idea. But maybe that's their whole point, is that healthy Christians stay healthy longer. I have no idea. But but anyway, the other thing is, though, the real solution is, even though you're busy, you have to, do, you have to be able to do two things at the same time. You have to try doing your side hustles, wake up an hour early, stay awake an hour later, or get your husband to cook dinner and for the kids or do some of the car driving around or you have to find some time, maybe even time at work. I don't know what your job is. The average eight hour job, uh, an employee on average works two hours and 53 minutes at a, at a nine to five job. I don't know if that's the case for your job, but it would my when I had a, the one time I had a nine to five job from 1994 to 1997, 1997, I probably worked like a half hour a day. So I don't, I don't think your job, maybe your job's somewhere in the middle there, but try to find any time you can. We've talked a lot about side hustles. Try beginning one. It just try that first feeling of, Hey, I just made 50 cents. Hey, I just made $10. Hey, I bought an inflatable pool on Alibaba for $30 and I just sold it on eBay for 150 and I made $50 after shipping. Just try to get started. Try different things. Do this in your spare time because you're gonna, you're not gonna feel confident if you just leave your job for a side hustle. You gotta mm -hmm. build up, and when your side hustle is big enough to, and it will be, you know, when it's big enough to start paying for your own insurance, plus it starts to match your salary minus the cost of commuting to work and so on, and, and you and your husband are comfortable with it, then you can make the shift. So. I'll do another episode. We'll do another episode where we talk about, again, summarize the latest side hustles that look interesting. And maybe we'll get to some of that later today. But you could fill out at work. You could go on these all these websites for uh, getting paid to fill out surveys. You could do um, you could start writing books in the various uh, IG lives we've done about book challenges. We've given um, three or four different book challenges. You could start with those. Uh, you, there's, there's many different side hustle sites that I've spoken about. Um, and, but you have to start. So even when I was doing a side hustle in that full-time job, so I started doing my side hustle 
1995. So again, I started working at HBO in 1994. I started my side hustle in 1995. I did not leave HBO until mid-1997 because I was just too nervous. I didn't want to do it. I was, but it meant I had to work till like two in the morning and wake up at, you know, wake up at six or seven. I didn't get as much sleep, but I was able to do my side hustle until it was greater than my income. I stayed at a 40,000 a year job while doing my side hustle that was making me multiples of that because I was too afraid to leave. I'm very risk averse. It's people think entrepreneurship is a gambler or somebody taking risks. It's the reverse. A good entrepreneur eliminates the risk before they start the company. So that's why my answer to the earlier question was an idea on how to uh, validate your idea before you launch it so you can reduce risk. Everything about entrepreneurship is about constantly reducing the enormous risks in starting something new. So try to make that first dollar, that first $100, that first $1,000 so that you can start building up confidence that you know how to do this and then make the jump. If that's impossible for you, send me another text and let me know and I could figure out more fine-tuned the exact question, but that's that's how I did it. That's how I left a job I was miserable at and eventually did my side hustle for a living. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats 
to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop. Really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Looking for work, interested in possible career in social justice, no law training, innocence project helping wrongfully convicted get exonerated. Can I make a living? Um, also from California. Everybody in California. It's from Mountain View, California, too. So maybe this, you know what's in Mountain View? Google. So, and I think Apple. Oh, no, Apple's in Cupertino. So this might be as a Google person who wants to work in social justice, maybe wants to help people who are innocent who are in jail, get out of jail, which is a noble profession. Can you make money from that? Let's, let's think about this. First off, I have an excellent novel for you to read. It's called The Guardians by John Grisham. I, believe it or not, I know exactly. It came out in October 2019, so right before this pandemic started. It's called The Guardians by John Grisham, and it's a novel entirely about this topic. A guy who is part of a nonprofit group called The Guardians and they find people who are innocent and work really hard to get them released. And they're not, I think the main character, I forget for sure, I think the main character is not a lawyer. So you don't need a lawyer to be a lawyer to do this, you just need to have a lawyer on your team. Somebody needs to research all the cases. You, you don't need a law degree. You need to be able to be almost like a detective more than a lawyer. You need to find 
uh, so, you know, you need to research how to find innocent people. And there's usually like news reports or you see people who are independent, you know, prisoners who are by themselves or trying to get appeals and they don't have lawyers. You can look at all the appeals in the state system of whatever state you want and see who's trying to be exonerated, who's claiming that they're innocent or who, who, that they were unfairly treated or whatever, and that they don't have lawyers. Because maybe the fact that they don't have lawyers means that they didn't get good legal guidance to begin with, and that's why they're convicted. So I think this is a great time to do it because obviously there's going to be a lot of law enforcement and legal reforms coming up, particularly in the prison system. There's no reason people who create, who committed nonviolent felonies shouldn't be released almost immediately, uh, you know, depending on the crime. So like if, if people was like, if someone was a marijuana user or whatever, or even like a crack user, just let them go. Why are we, why are we punishing uh, a crack addict as opposed to, you know, someone who commits violent crimes. In some cases, a crack addict who's just suffering from an illness is sentenced to more years in jail than a, a, a violent criminal. So um, can you make a living, though? That I don't know. Because, again, there's a reason why these people are in jail and they don't have the legal guidance to get out is because they can't afford lawyers. So here's what I would do. If I were the you specifically, I would start... What else? A newsletter about uh, every case you are seeing in the justice system and try to get, you know, send it out to all lawyers, try to get lawyers to sign up for it. And, uh, you know, look look also for class action opportunities or, or look uh, also for civil. Like a lot of times if someone was put in jail for a huge, uh, you know, for a crime they didn't commit. There's potential for a civil um, for a civil case where they can win money from the state. So if you could introduce law firms to those cases, uh, uh, and then they'll make a huge amount of money, and maybe you can get a fixed fee for that. So again, they might you know these law firms might subscribe to your newsletter because they want to have ac they want to have access to potential huge civil lawsuits. So you could, you could eventually, once you have a good subscription base of law firms, you could start charging a lot of money or you could start, uh, charging for ads that specifically focused on companies that focus on selling things to lawyers. So I do think there is a play here. Think about, think of the first 20 cases that you think you would like to help innocent people who are in jail that you want to help them and create a newsletter using substack.com, create a free newsletter advertise it or market it or just send it out to every single law firm and say, look, there's here's the size for each case that you analyze, analyze similar cases and what the civil lawsuit generated in income for the law firms. And boom, maybe you're on your way to a business. What do you think? Social justice? Yeah. Or you just start with the, you know, the communities that need help and, you know, start with, you know, uh, Spending time with the kids in those communities so that they grow up not being uh, vulnerable, you know, in, in those situations so that they're not going to go into jail maybe down the road or I mean, yeah. you could do stuff to prevent this from happening. Yeah, or you could work on reforms mm -hmm. that, uh, that um, you know, a lot of, you know, reforms that release the felons who didn't create violent crimes. So that could be a way, if you work, if you work on it through a legislative way, you can raise money for as a nonprofit organization, right. and there are plenty of groups that will probably contribute money to this, particularly if you have 
or any specific cases that you want to work on, and you can informally partner with some lawyers while you're raising money for the nonprofit. So that's another possibility. Uh, but I think that's an interesting area. When you first said social justice, I got a little nervous. I, are you going to start tearing down statues of Ulysses S. Grant? Um, so Ulysses S. Grant, uh, they're tearing down statues. This was a Civil War general who freed the, who won the Civil War for, for Lincoln, he freed the slaves, and they want to tear down a statue because of some anti-Semitic remarks he made. And he did, he made them, but then he apologized for them. He had, do you know, I just heard this on the History Hyenas podcast, actually. Do you know that Ulysses S. Grant had more Jews in his cabinet than any other president before or since? And they want to tear down his statue for all, for, for being, for freeing the slaves and for being good to Jews. They want to tear down his statue for anti-Semitic remarks that he heavily apologized for. So. Uh, I thought you meant that by social justice, but I actually like your version of social justice much, much better. Oh, you know, also in Australia, there was just an argument yesterday in Sydney, Australia on ABC News, it was ABC Sydney. They're arguing that maybe chess is racist because the black pieces move second. And, and you know, and a lot of people are saying, oh, this is ridiculous, which that was my first impulse as someone who's already played about 50 chess games today online so far, (laughs) I play just one minute mindless chess while I'm on the phone with people. I'm sorry if you were on the phone with me today. Um, I definitely played chess while you were talking to me on the phone. Uh, But at first I thought this was ridiculous. How could chess be racist? But then, you know, I do remember thinking when I was a kid that this is pretty racist, that the black pieces always move second. I did think that chess was racist. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But it's also it's also reverse sexist because the queen is the most powerful piece on the board, which is true. Don't let her know. Don't let Robin know that I think that. But the queen is the most powerful piece in life anyway. So definitely the man is not the most or maybe I'm just the the ultimate beta male. I don't know. But uh, uh, so, yeah, chess is racist. Who cares? Checkers is reverse racist. Black moves first. The most popular board game in the world, by the way, is a game called Go, because they play it in China, which so it's the most popular. There's more books about Go, the game Go, G-O, than any other game or sport in the world. And I Go, because uh, it's the most popular game in the world. Right, but why is it the most popular? Because China is right. over a billion people. <laughs> yeah, that's going to trick And Black moves first. So <laughs> I guess whatever, you can think whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you should stop playing chess. Uh, or it doesn't mean you should start playing checkers. By the way, do you play checkers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> you said uh-huh, and then no. I mean, so you had to think it's been about a long time. It. Checkers is a hard game. Don't this. Everybody always thinks, oh, checkers is not so as smart as chess. Checkers is just as hard as chess. Trust me on that. Um, okay, here's another question. And by the way, you can text me questions at 203 590 8607, I will respond or, or get to them in one of these uh, Q&As. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, what? Oh, uh, 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 can you give examples of things that would benefit from more liquidity? So, for instance, uh, what is he really asking? He's asking, like, if you have some cash, how can you make more money on it? 
So the stock, just putting in the stock market, uh, if you have extra cash, is not really such a great strategy in general. Like it's a good speculation strategy, but you know, we've seen, we just watched the Dow go from 30,000 to 20,000, back up to 25,000. Some stocks recovered, some didn't. It's kind of crazy sometimes, unless you're in at the right moments or investing in the stock market. So what's a good business? So I mentioned the other day, if you could, a great business, this is a $10 million, this was the $10 million business idea I think of last week, is lending money to pawn shops that in turn lend money to people who don't have bank accounts. So pawn shops are like the banks for lower income neighborhoods and they provide a valuable service because other banks will not create bank accounts for many of these people. And the problem pawn shops have is that they can't borrow money from the banks, even though they're the safest business out there. They actually loan money and they keep the collateral. So you can't get safer than that. And so I think it's a great business idea to lend money at like 15% interest to pawn shops because pawn shops charge 100% interest on that money or even more. So, uh, and why is 15% so great? Well, the average hedge fund makes like 8% per year. So you can get investors, you can build up a big business, you could go public, you could do whatever. So this person's asking, are there other businesses like that? And the answer is yes. So I'll give, I'll give two examples. One is a little bit more, I'll give three examples. So one is common and the other two aren't. So common is peer to peer lending. So you go to something like Kiva, K-I-V-A, and you could lend money. Did you know anybody who was, uh, well, you lived in Africa in the OO, so I'm not sure if this started yet, but you could go to Kiva and you could do what's called peer-to-peer lending. And I could lend money to somebody in Africa who's starting a small business, like uh, a shoe business in a local village in Africa. And so you lend them $10 and at 12% interest, and you do that like over thousands of businesses in Africa. Mm. And so you get diversified, or not just Africa, but all over the world. And that, even counting in for defaults, that tends to get 9% per year on average. By the way, it's then good, I think it's a good idea to do a newsletter or a course about how to do peer-to-peer lending to also make money. Because 9% is better than the average return of the stock market, which is about 7% per year. Who guarantees it? Nobody guarantees it. It's just... You, you, you lend it all out to hundreds or thousands of businesses and there's no guarantees, it's just personal guarantees, which is meaningless. And But these people do pay back and unless they go out of business and they default. So you're lending money out at about 12 or 13%. But when all the defaults are all said and done, these businesses tend to create about 9% per year returns. And so that's why also it's a good idea to do a newsletter researching where the best opportunities for peer-to-peer lending are because you'll be an expert while you're doing this and I notice there's very few newsletters for peer-to-peer lending, and that could be an interesting opportunity or a course. I don't know. It seems kind of risky. Okay. Let's say you think that's risky. Another idea. What about just going into that REIT, you know, for and then you get 8%? Well, but the REIT could go out of business. So the commercial yeah, real estate. I would think that that would be a little stronger uh, than uh, well, right now, like loading to somebody in Africa. Well, right now, for instance, um, Warren Buffett, the one, Warren Buffett only added to three stocks in the past few months. He almost, he sold almost everything else. He sold all his airlines. He sold millions of shares of Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, stocks that he's owned forever. He sold. And so he's raised the most amount of cash that he ever has. But there's one 
odd little REIT that he bought. It's uh, Stone Realty, S-T-O-N, I think. And um, they have about a 5% dividend. And they, all, they have about 9,000 tenants in commercial real estate all around the country. But you're still making a big bet that commercial mm -hmm. real estate is going to bounce back in the U.S., as opposed to like diversifying through thousands of small businesses. So any no one default can really hurt you. And you'd have to have like 25% defaults to have your interest mm -hmm. go down. And I think it's a little safer actually. If you do, if you really study peer-to-peer -peer lending, I think it's a much safer return. But if you do all that work studying it, the key is, so I've talked about the spoken wheel approach, which is you have something at the wheel that you're passionate about, and then you have lots of spokes to monetize it. But there's another approach, which is going meta on an idea. So the first idea is to do peer-to-peer -peer lending, but then you'll research it so much that you'll find all the best ways to reduce risk and make the most money. So make a course. I would pay for a course on that. Maybe I'd pay $500 for a course on that, something like that. You can make money again. Everybody who's Googling peer-to-peer -peer lending will see your course. You could do the course on Teachable or Coursera or whatever, so people will find it that way. You could do it on YouTube. And uh, now you just went meta. And then you could even do a newsletter. Here's the best, here this month are the best peer-to-peer -peer lending opportunities. That so anyway, that's one example. Here's another example. Um, you can, a lot of people who get, whose kids need braces. Did you, did you wear braces as yes. a kid? So I wore braces as a kid. Many of you maybe wore braces, you know, to fix your teeth. And when you were a kid and you wore braces, did they have to pull the teeth? Uh, yes, I had one pulled. Now they don't pull the teeth, right? They, right. they, they, they do something else. Well, like, it depends on if you they make your mouth bigger. crowded or not. Uh, it just all depends on the person. Well, a lot of parents, when they, when they get their kids braces, they put the kids on payment plans. So, oh, I'll pay, instead of paying $2,000 for braces, I'll pay um, $150 a month for 24 months. So you, pay, you, you make the payments over two years. So now instead of paying $2,000, you're actually paying in the long run $4,000 or $3,850. But uh, I think, I don't know, um, <laughs> some amount above 3000 And so it's a good business to go to dentists and say, hey, that person who was, is gonna pay you 3,000 over, or, or that person who owes you 2,000 but you're pay, getting the payments over time, I'll give you $1,900 right now for the, I'll buy that, or I'll even give you $2,100 right now and I will buy that payment plan from you. They still have to pay you, mm -hmm. but uh, you send all the, to, you send it all to me. Parents are not gonna default on their kids' braces because the braces need maintenance every month. So you're going to end up making, you know, almost 100% in two years on every payment plan you buy. So I don't know why more people don't go into this business, which is going from dentist to dentist, dentist and buying all the payment plans. And it's easy to advertise to them. You just advertise to everybody on LinkedIn whose occupation is dentist. So it's pretty cheap advertising. And everyone who calls you willing to sell dental plans, you know, that, that they've arranged with parents to you, you're going to make money. So that is a good way to get good returns. Again, people will invest with you. If I want a steady 15% or 20% a year instead of 9% or 7%, I'll invest with you. This is a little bit more complicated than peer-to-peer -peer lending because as far as I know, nobody's doing it. Here's another idea, which I've talked about before from another angle, which is you could buy credit card debt. So a bank 
let's say you have a visa from Chase. You spend on it, and 90 days later, you still haven't paid your visa bill. Chase is going to sell your It's going to just write off your debt, and it's going to sell your debt for 10 cents on the dollar, maybe cheaper, maybe 3 cents on the dollar. So you could, there are debt, credit card debt auctions where you could analyze a portfolio of credit card debt, make sure it doesn't have any debt from West Virginia, which is the worst state in the U.S. for collecting credit card debt. And you could buy a portfolio of debt for 3 cents for every 100 cents lent out on that credit card. This is so dry. I'm sorry. And it's dry like this. But you can make like 100% on your money very quickly just by saying, hey, you call everybody up and say, hey, I'll settle for one-tenth the amount that you owe. And they'll all settle and you make money. I know this because I used to invest in hedge funds that did this. They would have enormous returns. And there's even some public companies that do this, but I forget their, I forget their names. One other thing that's a little bit more clever if you have extra cash is what's called ISAs. So these are income share agreements. So let's say I'm 18 years old and I have all A's and Harvard just accepted me and I'm also a lacrosse champion. I could be, but I can't afford Harvard and I don't want to borrow that much money. You could buy 20% of my future income for the 20 years after I graduate Harvard and there could be an auction for my income. You could, you know, and here's here's the better idea: making an exchange for um, people to buy students to post their resumes and people to buy and sell shares of students who don't want to borrow so much money and are and and are willing to give up twenty percent of their future income. You take the risk that they're not going to have future income, but you work out a legal agreement where all their income has to go through an escrow, or else they're breaking the law and they're, they're breaking their agreement with you in which case you could sue them or whatever, and you can start collecting potentially a lot of money. If you if you pay, let's say, $60,000 right now to buy 20% of, let's say, your son John's uh, income, okay, who's about to graduate already, college. I already have 20%. Of yeah, I know, you have 100% <laughs> of John's income. But John's a, a graduating you know, with highest honors in computer science at some school in England, and... Probably 20% of his income over the next 20 years is going to be significantly greater than $60,000. Mm-hmm. But that would have paid for almost his entire education. So maybe he would have mm-hmm. sold off 20%, yeah. no loans, nobody, no parents paying for it, whatever. And right. so income share agreements are a good thing. But I think even better, the $10 million business idea of the week, other than the dental plan one, is create an exchange for these ISAs, for income share agreements. And then work out partnerships with schools that want to offer this service for to students. And so that might be, or work out a deal with high schools, for instance, that want yeah. to provide this option to students that maybe can't get enough loans to pay for a higher uh, education. Right, right. So, boom, that's a multi-dimensional answer to your questions, probably more than you bargained for, but... There were two $10 million ideas. If, if you build an exchange for ISAs, I've, I've not seen that done specifically. Uh, I don't even know if it's legal. But definitely, if you're in the business of bundling together dental plans, you're going to make a huge amount of money. If you're in the business of um, an online newsletter for or a course about peer-to-peer lending, you're going to make money. I know this for a fact. You might make millions, actually. 
A typical investing newsletter, if it's exciting enough, will make millions of dollars in revenues. I know this because I've been in that business. Uh, I could, if people want, let me know by texting me. If you want a more detailed step-by-step -step on creating a good revenue generating online newsletter, I think there's actually right now huge opportunities, but I've never seen a newsletter about peer-to-peer -peer lending or a course on that, but that's another big idea and uh, blah, blah, blah. That's, uh, that's my ideas on if you have extra liquidity. I take so long answering these questions. Um, uh, I'm going to, uh, we'll answer more questions tomorrow and you can keep texting and maybe the questions I don't get to, I'll write up in an article, but I want to kind of get more to the bullshit headline of the day. We talked a little bit about, there was a CNN headline. I'm always going to trash CNN and yes, CNN rejected a TV show idea I had, but so has every other network. So that's not why I'm biased against CNN. Every single network has rejected me repeatedly, but here's what bothers me. This one article about Florida and coronavirus um, says uh, uh, it, that the reason there's Flor Florida, um, let me see, hold on, let me see. I saw something uh, weird here. Uh, I don't know, forget it. Here's the problem I'm having with the bullshit headline of the day is that there's, a, there's missing headlines. The report, all the reporters talk about is coronavirus and Trump. I am so goddamn bored of Trump and Biden. It's, it's basically, again, we have an election of two 75-year-old alleged rapists, and that's the best we could come up with to be president of the United States. I'm not saying anything bad or good. Like, who knows? Maybe they're both great. Maybe they both suck. I have, I don't even give a shit. Like, I do care about local politics. I want the person who's going to make the most money for me to win in local politics. That's not totally true. But I don't really care if Biden or Trump are president. They, it's You're deciding between one mafia syndicate versus another mafia syndicate, and I don't give a shit. But uh, I'm sick of every headline being about coronavirus and, and Trump. So, so uh, I want to see, there's, there's real things that I want to find out about. Like this weekend, remember the remember the Chaz? What happened yeah. to the Chaz? <laughs> the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Does it? Is it still? Can I? I can I Airbnb there? Can I? Can we, well, let's go on a vacation to the Chaz. Uh, it seemed like there was like an area for. There's a ten block area next to the Capitol Hill building in Seattle, and it's a kind of a gentrified area where it's it's completely walled off. They built a wall for. for for African-American only? I no, no, that, no. Yeah, I thought I read that. No, no. It's like this whole area. It's no, it's, for... it's, it's for anybody. It's for anybody, really. That's what they claim. But they will. They don't really want people who disagree with them. Okay. So, But I don't know what agreeing with them entails. But it's for everybody. And it's run by this guy, Raz Simone, who's being called the warlord. Who, by the way, I texted him to see if he wanted to come on my podcast. He said he didn't respond. So <laughs> screw him. You should go to jail now. But here's first of all, what's happening. I don't see any. Why don't they were? This is a this is a they part. They changed the name. Right? They changed it to the chop. The Capitol Hill. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Like it's it's this weird area where there's armed guards surrounding it. Like for some reason they made a wall so they don't they they seceded from the United States. They're not going to pay taxes. They say they built a wall 
So to prevent immigration into the Chaz or the Chap or whatever, this seems pretty serious to me. And maybe it's a good thing. Like I heard I, last week there were articles and it was like somebody was saying, oh, it's like an arts festival here. But then over the weekend, a 19 year old kid yeah. was shot and killed and another person was injured. And then I think it was um, Monday, a 17 year old kid was shot. I don't know if he was killed or not. And uh, at least with the 19 year old kid, they blocked the police and the EMTs from coming in and helping. So there's a video of Raz yelling, you're not going to help us. You're not going to help us. But he didn't realize the EMTs legally can't enter without the police. And they were blocking the police from entering. No one's going to go to a place where people are shooting each other. And, you know, you can't risk that. You know, you need guards. So, so, but I haven't heard a single thing. Like, did they catch the shooter, the killer? Is the other person who got injured, is he okay? Like, there's not been a single article. This seems like a huge thing. Yeah. So, so that's one news item. I'm calling bullshit on the media. Uh, the bullshit non-headline of the day is this is what really happened in that murder in the chest. Here's the other thing. In New York, during the first few days of the protests, two lawyers at a high-priced law firm in D.C. Th- th- were arrested for throwing Molotov cocktails at cars. And did they take their license away? I don't know. They're out because on bail. They, They're out on bail for two hundred fifty thousand like, dollars a person. I mean, so they had money. Breaking the law. I mean, as a lawyer, you, I mean, you have to. You have to get convicted. So uh, they're out on bail. Who knows what's going on? And but why would they do this? Molotov cocktail, as Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, told us, it's not that easy to make a Molotov cocktail. So these two people were arrested. They were released on an, a quarter of a million dollars bail each. What's going on? What, who did they, were they working for someone? Why did they do this? Why isn't this like daily news? I kind of want to know. And even Eric told us, oh, they were working for someone. Oh, who? How come there's no articles about this? Another BS non-headline of the day. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, okay, here's the other thing. New York, there's been 80 times the complaints of shootings this year versus other years. Who's doing all this shooting? Why isn't that in the news? Mm. Who every night in New York City we get woken up. There's fireworks. There's the average number of fireworks complaints at this time in New York is usually twenty. Now it's eight thousand between January and June. Who is shooting off these fireworks? Why can't reporters just right. go up to a building where fireworks are being shot right. and say, Hey, where'd you get those illegal fireworks? Why are you shooting them? And by the way, it's not like the police don't exist. Nobody's defunded the police. Where are the police in all this? Because we see the buildings where fireworks are going off. Where are the reporters? Where are the police? Why isn't anybody reporting? This is a bullshit non-headline of the day. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of just... I'm going down CNN. Where the hell is CNN? (laughs) (laughs) CNN... And the reason I pick on CNN is because... When I was a kid, I thought CNN was like the main news source of the world. Okay, Senate hands Trump historic milestone. Trump's 200th judicial uh, nominee. Trump's la- lasting legacy. Attorney General Barr to testify. Uh, Trump's unhinged, unhinged treason accusation against Obama. I don't care about his treason accusation. Like, screw it. I want to know if I can take a chastation. I want to go on, I found an Airbnb, $157 a night, right in the middle of the Chaz. We could go. Oh my God. And 
tickets to Seattle are cheap right now. Let's go to the, visit the Chaz, take a Chaz Kasia, but I need to know what's going on with all these shootings there. And if it's, if, did they secede from the U.S. like they said? If so, why did they need the police to come in or the EMTs or whatever? So anyway, uh, let me see if I have, uh, uh, another one. Um, oh, I think this would make a great article. If you're a reporter listening to this, I want to know the timeline of all the CDC and WHO recommendations on face masks. That would be funny. Because Fauci yesterday, he said, he specifically said that he lied about face masks in the beginning because he didn't want people to hoard them so that, because then the doctors wouldn't get them. And so he, he admitted that he, that he had basically said in so many words, the U.S. population is so stupid that we had to lie to them like they were little children so that doctors could have enough masks, which, by the way, I agree with. But I just want to see. They've changed. I wear a mask. We might wear a mask outside. Uh, I want to just see. It's a kind of interesting article. If you're an article, win a Pulitzer Prize with this idea. How come they change so many times? It's, it's interesting psychology at work. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 